Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. God is good. How y'all doing, Lifehouse? I'm so glad to see y'all this morning. So glad that y'all could join us. First time guests, welcome. Take your shoes off. Get comfortable. Make yourself at home. And family, Lifehouse, family that calls this home, welcome home, y'all. I'm so glad that y'all could be here today. So Pastor Christian um, talked about um, last week's sermon that Pastor John preached online. And he talked about chasing carrots, which was a great sermon. Now, today, I'm going to continue on the journey of why we shouldn't chase carrots. So, I'm going to talk about the second part of Philippians 3. Pastor John talked about the first half. I'm going to talk about the second half today. And last week, when Pastor John was preaching, he talked about Paul, the apostle, and how Paul was very confident in who he was before Christ, but he basically said that after he met Christ, all of his accomplishments and who he was before paled in comparison to the relationship or the knowledge and the serving of Christ. So when he was going through all of that and I was reading the scripture, I I, I heard Kevin Hart in my head. And if you know my husband, he has been crowned the Christian Kevin Hart. So I'm going to tell y'all how this sounded in my head, okay? Y'all going to go with me? Okay. Okay. So he said, I'm Hebrew of Hebrews. I am from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised third day, eighth day, excuse me. I am Hebrew of Hebrews. I am all of that. I am a Pharisee. I know the law. And I am close to God. Now, he said that, but that wasn't true. He did not have relationship with God. Here's why. He did all of those works. He was good with all of those accomplishments, and it was, it was so works-based, and it was so much about his appearance that he missed the important part, Jesus. And how many times do we get caught up in all of the accomplishments and the things that we're trying to do and how to advance our careers and do these things in the world, but we forget about Jesus? So let's be reminded today. Let's look at uh, verse 12. Let's start off with verse 12 of Philippians 3. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. And that I have already reached perfection. But I press on, somebody say press on, to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. But if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many, say many, whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we eagerly await for him to return as our Savior. He will take all our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power which he will bring everything under his control. Let us pray. Lord God, we just thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we just ask, God, that you would fill us with your spirit this morning, Lord God. Be in the midst of this service, Lord God, and have your way. We ask, God, that you speak to us right where we are. Whatever we have need of, God, we ask, God, that you would just meet us right there. We thank you, Lord God, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we see here that Paul pressed for every accomplishment that he wanted to do in his life. He pressed towards being an accomplished Jewish leader. And in today's culture, we would say he was a man with a plan. He would be someone that we would look up to, someone that we would admire because in our culture, he would have been a great success. So he pressed towards those things. And when we look up the word press, in the Greek it is pronounced dioko or diokos, which it has multiple meanings. The first meaning of dioko means to press or to flee or to put to flight or drive away. In verse 13 it says, no dear brothers and sisters, I have not received it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Now, let's stop right there. In order to press forward, we have to forget the past. The thing is that before Paul was Paul as we know him, he was Saul. And Saul was a persecutor of Christians. And there was one day when he was actually en route to go and persecute some Christians. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was on the road of Damascus. And Jesus met him there and confronted him and said, why are you persecuting me? So in Acts 9, we see that Paul had to make a decision. And the thing was that was important here is that God changed his name. 
When God changes our name from sinner to saint, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what you've gone through before. It doesn't matter what you've done. All of the things that you've done before, they're under the blood of Christ. God changes your name. So we don't have to be identified by those things that kept us bound in our past. Your name has been changed. You are identified in Christ. And it doesn't mean that you don't have consequences for your actions. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel the pain and, and all of the baggage that comes along with things from the past. But it means that you are no longer identified by those things. You don't have to carry those things with you. You are not that person anymore. You are a new creature in Christ. You are new and made over under sanctification. Now, we have to get in the mindset of looking forward and not looking in our rearview mirror. How many of you drive? It is very difficult to drive forward when you're looking backward. So how many times do we do that in life? We try to move forward and we try to make progress, but we're looking in our rearview mirror. We keep telling God, yeah, God, I know you're calling me, but look at what I did. Yeah, God, but look at what I've been through. Such and such did this to me. And God is saying, I want you to move forward, leaving those old things behind you. I have called you. I have made you new. Stop looking to the past and move forward. Now, the thing is, is that the enemy is very strategic and cunning. He likes to remind us of our past. He likes to use people like our family to say, well, I knew you when. You know, me and you used to fill in the blank. But God said, uh-uh, you aren't that person anymore. I've changed you. You are mine now. So all that stuff doesn't matter. The thing is, is that we have to forgive ourselves. And that is the hardest part. God said in John 1, 9, he says, if you confess your sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive you. So if God is faithful and just to forgive us, why can't we forgive ourselves? Why is it so hard for us to let us go? Why can't we release ourselves from our past? It's because of all of that guilt and all of that shame. And that is one of the things that God wants us to surrender today. We talked about, we sang about surrender today. God wants us to surrender that to him. Stop condemning yourself. Stop thinking about all the stuff that happened to you in the past. Move forward. And God said, the person that did that thing to you or those people that did those things to you, forgive them. Because you are holding yourself hostage. God wants you to walk in total freedom and he wants you to press through that forgiveness process. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel any pain. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel some things sometimes. But you have to remind yourself that you are forgiven and that you have to forgive in Jesus' name. Now, let's look at verse 14. It says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, Christ Jesus, excuse me, through Christ Jesus is calling us. Now, another meaning of diokos is to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing or to pursue. Now, 
in our journey through life, we have to pursue perfection. Now, what does perfection look like? Perfection is in Jesus. Perfection is in Jesus. He is the standard of perfection. And so many times we try to be perfect in our own strength, and we cannot be perfect. I know I'm not. Is anybody in here perfect? Raise your hand because I need to meet you. You must be Jesus. (laughs) Nobody is perfect, but we are being perfected. And as we are pursuing perfection, we have to press. It is not an easy process. How many of you know it is not easy to be like Jesus? Amen. It is not easy to be like Jesus. It is so hard to live for the Lord, but we are being perfected as we press. And so because of Jesus' life being sinless, he lived a perfect sinless life. We have the grace to pursue perfection, even though we have an imperfect life. Now, the truth is, is that we're all pressing towards something, whether it's cars, whether it's money, maybe it's education or accolades. We're all pressing towards something. Maybe it's advancing your career. But what happens when what you're pursuing replaces your pursuit of Christ? What happens when all of those things cloud your vision and you no longer can see Jesus? You can just see your stuff. That is a dangerous place to be in. And if we find ourselves in that from time to time. And Paul says in verses 18 through 19, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. In some translations say their appetite is their belly. And they brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. So don't get me wrong. It's not wrong to have nice things. It's okay to have nice stuff, you know, to get educated and all of those things. But it is not okay for that stuff to have you. The thing is that we focus so much on the stuff and all of these temporary things on earth that we don't pursue our heavenly reward. Pastor Craig Rochelle said, whenever we believe the lie that more money more things, more stuff are what we need to truly be happy. And you believe all of your problems will be solved by more stuff and more money. You are under the curse of money. That's a serious statement, under the curse of money. Now, I'm an 80s baby. I was a teenager in the 90s, and I listened to a lot of rap music. So I'm going to take a page out of first Biggie Smalls. Biggie had a song called Mo Money, Mo Problems. And I'm not sure if Biggie was a Christian, but what he said was true. Biggie said, the more money we come across, the more problems we see. And that is really true. The more that you have, more is required. 
And we don't always think about the more. Sometimes when you have a lot of money, you have to pay a lot of what? Taxes. I've heard somebody say, that's champagne problems. <laughs> so the more you have, the more problems come with it. And we see this because there are so many people who have millions and billions of dollars, but they're not happy. They're depressed. And a lot of them end up taking their lives, unfortunately, because the money couldn't fill the void that only God could feel. So we gotta remember to not be under the curse of money and remember that just because you have more stuff doesn't mean that your life is going to be better. What really matters is your kingdom wealth. Building your kingdom treasure, that's what is of value. Now, for my millennials, 50 Cent had a song, he had an album actually, and it was called Get Rich or What? Get Rich or Die Trying. Now, if you think about that statement, what does that sentiment really mean? It means that whatever you're searching for, whatever you're trying to get is worth dying for. That is a fallacy. God wants you to build kingdom wealth, not this stuff on earth, because what happens when you die? Are you going to take your car with you on judgment day? Are you going to be standing there with your house, all your clothes, your Versace, your Gucci, all of that? You're going to take all of that with you? No, you're not. You're going to be standing there before God by yourself without your stuff. And guess what? All the stuff that you got, all the wealth that you obtained on this earth, somebody else is going to get it. So it's better for us to go ahead and build that heavenly treasure, not work so hard that we try to get rich. And if we don't get rich, we're going to die trying. Because that is the, the world's mentality. That is not godly mentality. That is not kingdom thinking. And God wants us to rise above that. That is the societal thinking that we have today in our culture. We want to get rich. No matter what, we see people on TV, we see celebrities, and they seem to have such an awesome life. They seem like their problems are few. But the reality is, there's so many other things behind the scenes, so many things that go along with that money. People just like you because of your money when you're a celebrity, but when you don't have any money, then they're gone. See, all of that plays a part in getting more, that, that chasing, that pressing for more stuff. So we got to keep that in mind when we think that, oh, if I just get a little more money or if I just get this job, everything is going to be all right, and it won't. It won't. You may be able to pay your bills, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be filled with joy. It doesn't mean that you're going to be any closer to God. In fact, the more money you have, the less likely that you will be closer to God. The word says that, and I'm paraphrasing, it's harder for a rich man to enter into heaven than it is for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle. So we have to make sure that our stuff is in its proper place. And that, like Christian said, 
we can surrender it all, our 401ks, any of that stuff. If God required it of us today, would we say, take it, Lord? That's what we have to get to the point of. So let's look at verse 20. We are in, we are, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. The same power with which he will bring everything, say everything, under his control. So all the stuff that we're trying to get, Jesus is going to have control of it anyway. Because he said he will bring everything under his control. So if he brings it under his control, then that means you have access to it because you are with him. You are joint heirs with him. Now, because we are physically on earth right now, when we become Christ followers, we have kingdom citizenship or we have citizenship in heaven. And that means we have certain rights and privileges that are afforded to us because we are king's kids. That means we are joint heirs with Christ. And the thing is, is that there are many things that are promised to us in his word. If you look in the word, you'll see that God says that his children can, can be fruitful and multiply and eat the fruit of the land and have dominion and all of these different things. But the thing is, we have to make sure that we are chasing him and not being controlled by the things that we're chasing. Bottom line, pursue Jesus and not the stuff. Amen. Paul preached to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2, 6, and he said, For he was raised from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So that's great news, y'all. That means we are literally seated in heavenly places with Jesus. So no matter what we go through, no matter who opposes us or what opposes us on this earth, we are seated in heavenly places. We have the privileges of enjoying kingdom citizenship. And if we look at Romans 8, 16 through 17, it says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So this means that we are joint heirs with Christ. And it means that if we share in his glory, we have to be prepared to share in the suffering as well. And the thing is, is that when we think about the suffering on earth, it is a press. It means that we are pressed. And so we have to remember that we have to continue to press as we press towards Jesus. Now, another meaning of diokos is the Greek word for press, and it means to harass, to mistreat, or to persecute. Now, the truth of the matter is that because we are in this flesh, because we are living in this life, we are going to be pressed. That is a guarantee. It is, not un- it is unavoidable. And people will treat us badly. 
people are going to talk about us and do things to us that are going to hurt us and impact us in some way. But the thing is that when we feel that pressure, we know ultimately that we are seated with Jesus. And we know that if we press towards Jesus and we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, that our reward is coming. Now, the root word of pressure is press. If we look in 2 Corinthians 2.18, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Our second song talked about turning, being crushed, being pressed, and, and, and making new wine out of us. That's what happens. The things that happen to us in our, in, in our lives, we, we get persecuted and mistreated. We are getting pressed. We are getting uh, pressed and, and made into new wine. And that is what God wants from us. He wants the new wine. He doesn't want some stale stuff. He wants the new wine to come out of us and flow from us freely. And because of that, he has to allow life to press us. You can't have a grape and get wine out of it without getting some type of force on that grape. So we have to keep our eyes focused on the Lord, even in the fact that we are pressed on every side. Jarvis, you can come up. Now, when we're being pressed, we are also being perfected. We aren't perfect, but we are being perfected to be more like him. Paul said in verse 16, we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. As we press, we actively pursue God's heart. We actively pursue his will for our lives. And as we press here on earth, that's going to get us our kingdom reward in heaven. So although it's, it's not wrong to have things on earth, it's nice to have nice houses and things and you know, people to, to like you. But the greater reward is that Jesus is pleased and that we remember that we are building kingdom wealth because we are kingdom citizens. I heard someone say that we are just pilgrims in a foreign land. We're here on this earth for right now to draw people to Christ and to, to live out his will for our lives. But at the end of the day, we have to keep our eyes on things above. We have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and run our race in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord, knowing that our wealth is in heaven and that we are going to live with God forever. So because as Christ followers, we are kingdom citizens, we can live freely from that we know that we already have the victory in Christ Jesus because he already paid the price for us on the cross. Jesus came to be an example for us, the perfect example. And he showed us how pressing through and being pressed on every side reaps an eternal reward. So today, if you want to reap an eternal reward. If you want to know Jesus, choose him today and say yes. He is waiting for you 
He is knocking on the doors of your heart and he is saying, let me in. I want to rule in you. I want to show you about my father's business. I want to do things in you that you have never seen before. Jesus wants you, all of you. It doesn't matter what your past is. That doesn't matter. There's blood on the cross for that too. Is there one? If you want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart today, at the count of three, just say yes. One, two, three. If you've made that decision today, we welcome you into the kingdom of God. We welcome you into the family. And for the benefit of those who have given their hearts to Christ today, we're going to pray this prayer. Father God, out loud, you can follow me, please. Father God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to die in place of me. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing me of my sin. We thank you, God, that through you, we can have eternal life. We thank you that although we are oppressed, you are making new wine out of us. Come into our hearts and have your way in our lives. Forgive us of our sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.